coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. You stop putting your games on Wii, and look what happens. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined as I am always joined by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including Ubisoft's bad year. And then on Thursday, we are going to be talking about Fire Emblem classes. But Mark, in the meantime, uh, how's it going? It's going great. I have started watching that new Willow TV show on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. I don't care about Willow at all. Like, I had no affection for the movie so then why did you check out the show because i heard it was good okay so i I started watching it i'm like mm, an episode and a half in yeah and uh it's fun it's like fun like family fantasy but it got me thinking that patrick if i were the ruler of a like fantasy kingdom yes and uh my kingdom was attacked by some magical forces some evil magical forces right and my, like, head knight, who I trusted, was stabbed with some sort of uh, magical item, okay. dark magical item. Like a blade of some like kind? Like a blade of some kind. Or like, <laughs> it I can't think not it's like be a, a staff. blade. I don't think you can stab like someone st- with something that's not a blade. Yeah, yeah. A bladed staff, maybe. Anyways, it's a blade. <laughs> and this uh, faithful servant started acting just a little strange. Okay. I, if I were this leader, would not send him out on, like, the really important quest. Not that I don't trust him anymore, but I would just, you know, he just got stabbed by an evil magical item, and whether he says he's doing fine or not, right? right. why risk it? Well, here's the thing. How much do you trust him slash how much do you value the bond the two of you share? Because I watched uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom this weekend, Mm -hmm. um, which I always forget how, like, dark and weird and, like, just uh, gross-out palooza that movie is. Um, But uh the there's a part in the movie where Indiana Jones becomes evil Indiana Jones, uh-huh. right? He has his heart turned by the bad guys. Um and uh first of all, I just want to be on the record, still hot. <laughs> evil Indiana Jones, <laughs> still hot. Um, but uh Short Round is able to turn him back into regular Indiana Jones just by being like, I love you. Oh, I see what you're saying. Are you asking like in Can this- you overpower the curse through the power of your connection. Well, I'm only an episode and a half in. And you're probably going to stop. <laughs> and so, and so maybe. Mm-hmm. But uh, first of all, I would like to think that my love is strong enough. Right. Um, but two, I think I'm going to go ahead and say yes. But even though that is true, I still would not send him out on this uh, really important quest. You got to keep him close to you. Well, you got to keep him close. And you're like... And your enemy's closer. And <laughs> exactly. And you're like, all right, so maybe I'm just going to send my second most trusted knight who didn't get stabbed by a magical item, probably a sword, to, uh, you know, like go or rescue somebody. Some kind or could have been, 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 been a knife. Could have been a cursed knife. Who knows? Yeah. I, you know, just like send the second one out. Yeah. The first one, I still trust you, but like trust but verify. You know what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. But that's just me. 
Yeah. Uh, Speaking of things that you should send far away from you, my copy of Sonic Forces. Mark, we are no longer sending this thing out to be borrowed anymore. Um, The Sonic Forces borrowing program is coming to an end, but we are sending it out in style. If you would like to own my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch or my copy of Untitled Goose Game in a Sonic Forces box, uh, you are welcome to uh, add your name to the list. Uh, Instead of sending it to you and you play it and send it back, we're just sending it to you. That'll be the end of the journey. Um, It will never come back to me again. It will find a new home, two new homes. Uh, If you are not already on the list, email us at NintendoCartridgeSociety at gmail.com. And uh, we just need you to uh, put your names in by January 31st. We will be drawing names on like the 2nd of February or something, whatever the next episode after that is. Um, And then we will send them out to you. Yes. And uh, one thing that has come up, and I think we might have talked about it last week, but because it is the Sonic Forces owning program and no longer the Sonic Forces borrowing program, uh, Patrick doesn't have to worry about putting return postage in an envelope. Doesn't matter where you are in the world. Submit, submit. I will send this anywhere. So uh, it remains the perfect program you have until January 31st. Uh, and then, Mark, I, I wanted to bring up a, a, maybe a little bit of a, a, of a debug, an email from um, Mark in Brisbane. Uh, Mark writes, uh, love the 2023 Nintendo preview episode, and I just wanted to mention in the DLC section that you didn't mention Mario Plus Rabbid Sparks of Hope DLC. This is true. We did not. Uh, I, I think, like, both of us have just sort of got that game on, like, backburn. It's got real backburner energy mm-hmm. right now, right? Uh, so we were we weren't thinking about it, but uh, apologies. Um, uh, Mark says, I, "I know that you're both waiting for it to go on sale, but as soon as it does, I recommend buying it. It's fantastic." Um, uh, after just an hour, I quickly went online and bought the DLC pack. I ended up 100%ing the game and had a great time, and I plan to 100% the DLC too. Keep up the great show, Mark. So uh, good, good to uh, we should have mentioned it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Mark. Thanks for. Uh, Reminding us. I mean, I guess the fact that we kind of forgot about Mario's Plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope uh, speaks to a news item that we'll be getting to in a little bit. We will get to it, Mark, in a little bit. But in the meantime, let's talk about what we've been playing this week. Uh, I feel like we just recorded a news episode and just talked about what we were playing. And now, like, we're back again. And I haven't played anything new. <laughs> like, I've just been playing the same games that I always play. So, still working my way through Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion. I uh, am still just so hung up on all of these side missions and all of the... Uh, they're missions that you select from, like, a, a menu. Um, the ones that are not story-based, where I'm like, you know what? Like, And I try to, like, do the story stuff, but then I'm like, mm, yeah, I could just get right into the action and, like, beat up some bad guys. So the story is progressing slowly. I still love it. Um, uh, Want to tell a, just a quick, quick little story about uh, how Sarah and I spent Saturday night. Um, we, uh, uh, we made dinner. We got drunk. We listened to uh, show tunes on Shuffle and uh, played Mario Kart 8 Deluxe until like midnight. That sounds amazing. It was the best. Um, but one of the things that uh, it kind of revealed or like kind of emphasized to me about Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is that, man, the original tracks in that game, I know very well. The, the original 48 tracks, I know very, very well. Backwards and forwards, I don't have to think about them. I can lose my faculties and still play those tracks pretty well. Those that have been added in the last year, not under my fingers. I don't immediately know where to go. I need to train on those. 
I'm oh. not that good at them yet. Oh, yeah. No, I'm the same way. I think I've played each of those maybe just, you know, like a handful of times at most. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- there was a long time where uh, she and I would just put the thing on, like, shuffle and uh, play, like, whatever tracks come up. Um, and I wish there was a way to do just shuffle the DLC mm-hmm. tracks. Um, or, like, you know, turn on. And, you know, they, they have that thing where you can turn on and off items. So, like. Maybe if you could turn on and off tracks and just like turn off all the old tracks, um, that'd be cool. I'm excited to see what other little features they add uh, with Waves 4, 5, and 6. Yeah, totally. Also, kind of crazy to think that part of the reason you are probably so familiar with those original tracks, even the DLC ones from the original game, are that you've been playing them for almost 10 years now. Yeah, yeah, because it originally came out on the Wii U, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. No, it's, um, yeah, of course it's muscle memory at this point. Ten years is a long time to be playing anything. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. And uh, we don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but I just want to check in on your progress on Tetris 99 tickets. Tetris 99 tickets progress is uh, continuing. Um, it, you know, uh, I can usually get four tickets every day. I have not done it yet today, so I still have to, when uh, we're done recording, I got to get on um, and get over there. I believe I have 478 tickets at the moment, uh, and I will bring that up to 482 <laughs> by the end of the night, getting me just four tickets closer. <laughs> Remind, to 999. Remind me again. Here's how you earn tickets. No, no, no. Well, this yes, is please. Not... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go <laughs> ahead. You can explain to me. That's not what I was going to ask. But yes, please explain to me. You earn tickets. There are two different like little missions or little like tasks that it gives you. Like uh-huh. score, you know, five doubles or ten triples or whatever. Um, so And two of those are in uh, like the regular mode. One is in versus CPU and one is in versus marathon. And so those are your four uh, opportunities. And it means that like... If they were all in just playing Tetris 99, it'd be fine because you just like go in and like play for a while until they all triggered. But then I had to like go into marathon and go into CPU battle, which I don't normally do. Um, but yeah, so that's that's how they're earned. What what was your actual question? <laughs> but well, first of all, yes. it is strange to me that they like force you to go into CPU because it's just Tetris 99, but against computers. Yes. So. Why is that? Yes. Yeah. It I d- doesn't feel like it needs to be that different. No. Although maybe they do that because if you don't have the full, like the online version, like you're oh, not yeah. paying for it, that you can still earn some tickets. What is my question? Yeah. Is remind me again what happens when you get 999 tickets? Okay. So there are icons that you can like select as like your player icon. Uh-huh. Uh, and one of them is get 999 tickets oh okay so there are plenty other icons that i'm never i'm that i'm never gonna get no there's there's one of them that's get win two tetris 99s in a row and it's just like oh that's like almost literally never gonna happen um because like they're so rare to happen once that like i can't imagine the pressure of playing a second time and trying to get it first place again uh it's, it's just never gonna happen but that one Mark, that one I can earn. I am so excited because you'll be joining. It has to be an elite group. But when that happens, when you get, I want to be there. I want to like, uh, okay. I want to be there when you cross the threshold to 999. Uh, Okay. Well, we got to like do some math and figure out what exactly. It's not going to be for at least four months. Also. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's not that bad. All things considered. If I can get this done before July 1st. Uh, then then I'll, I'll I'll be proud of myself. Okay, perfect. All right. 
Uh, I've been playing. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. Like uh, I've just been playing Salmon Run. That's and I love it. I um did not play for a while. Uh, Splatoon three for like a few weeks, and then when the uh last Splatfest happened, I wanted to check out the tricolor um turf war for the first time. And when I once I did that, I was like, I should just play a little bit of a salmon run. And it is uh I love it. I love salmon run. I love it so much. I love hearing the system work where it's like the novel thing brought you in and then you were like, oh yeah, that that was that, that was all right. But I should play this part of it that I <laughs> love. Uh, you just needed like the little reminder. It's true. And that actually also reminded me that I still haven't played the single player. So I've gotta do that. I've got to get into the single player. Have you played it. it at all? No, no. I haven't even... May, I Maybe I... I don't even think I started it. Mark. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. But here's uh, a thing that is not so crazy. I also want... You know, this past week was uh, Awesome Games Done Quick, the speedrunning marathon uh, for charity. They raised over like $2 million for the Prevent Cancer Foundation. Um, it ended on Saturday, but there were a couple of... Uh, I wasn't able to watch anything live but there were a couple of like replays of um, a few runs that I wanted to shout out because I thought they were really fun. The first one was the Super Mario Brothers All-Star Shuffler run by uh, Skybills. And so the way that this works is, you know, it was the uh, the four-game version from the Super Nintendo. So it was, oh, sorry, five-game version. It was Super Mario Brothers, the original, um, Super Mario Brothers 2 USA, Super Mario Brothers 2, or like Lost Levels, as it's known in the U.S., or outside of Japan, and then um, Super Mario Brothers three and the version that included Super Mario Brothers World, Super Mario World, Super Mario yes. World, and no brothers in no the brothers. world. No brothers, even and though Luigi is there. <laughs> the disrespect began early. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the way that the uh, this like shuffler worked was so fun, and the runner uh, Sky Bills made it look so easy, but it I'm sure just like incredibly difficult. Is that uh, every thirty to sixty seconds? It would. You don't know when, and you don't know when okay. it would immediately shift. So you would start the game, a game, and you would play the game like, uh, like in order. Yeah. So it wouldn't shuffle you around a specific game. But what it would do is that okay, you start with like Super Mario Brothers or whichever game you want to start with, and then any like thirty to sixty seconds, it will immediately take you to a different game. Well, like holding your state while in holding the your one. like state. So you so you're balancing like these five games. You're in different locations, and then you're like making a jump or something. And then all of a sudden, it'll it switch away. to a game that you were playing because it's it's randomized. So you may not return back to a game for five minutes, ten minutes, and oh, you have to no. remember like, oh, I'm like right at this jump, or I'm like right in the middle of this jump, and keeping maintaining yeah. your momentum and everything. Like you know, the the runner died, but it was still amazing. Like it just seemed like such a fun way to experience those games and it's a really fun run uh i recommend everybody check it out that sounds almost like nes remixy like i I wish nintendo would just like do that and like make it real because that's awesome yeah there was another uh randomizer that was really cool it was the metroid prime one and two item randomizer yeah so there were two it's like a co-op randomizer run so there were two players uncle reggie and bash prime and one uh uncle reggie was playing metroid prime one and then Bash Prime was playing Metro Prime 2. But the way they described it is, like, imagine all the items from both games are, like, a, like a deck of cards. And so they, like, shuffled the cards between the two games. So one, you know, in Metroid Prime 1, there would be items placed randomly throughout the world 
from Metroid Prime ROM, but some of them could be from Metroid Prime 2. So when the Metroid Prime 1 player gets a Metroid Prime 2 item, does Metroid Prime 2 player get that item? Yes, exactly. So Got it on. unlocks for like, it unlocks across. So you're kind of, you know, like, it was just amazing to watch because, you know, th uh, in theory, somebody could be blocked waiting until like an item opens up but just like the way that it works again what a cool idea for like a randomizer it seems like there must be some element of not wholly randomization to it because like doesn't it seem like it there should be soft locks like everywhere so i think the locations are known it's okay. just like a matter of which items are like unlocked in those locations sure but it's just like i think just with the way that uh, Metroid games work, that there are so many items that give you access to the other areas. And like, if you get an item really early on that unlocks something like towards the end of the game, how do you get past the like early areas if those items are like past that? Yeah, they were also doing like tricks like uh, like out of bounds and like oh, that okay. sort of thing. Yeah, so I think, I think that's, that's probably necessary. It. Yeah. But it was very, it was very cool. That was another one that was really fun to watch. And then finally, there's a Metroid Dread All Bosses Race, cool. uh, run by Ed Nolium and Manager. And this was another one that was just like it was. It made me appreciate Metroid Pro uh, Dread and how like well made that game is because watching people who are very good at playing Metroid Dread play Metroid Dread like unlocks the, like it opens my mind to what is possible in that game it's just very very cool yeah i think about how i spend a lot of time like kind of running around in like the same place in in metroid dread and like trying to figure out which way to go um and that would be a fun game to like just know the path and just like mainline it and try to get through it quick or uh completely or or even really just to replay it i think would be uh, a lot of fun yeah, there were lots of other cool runs, but those were the three that I wanted to. Uh, those are the only out. three runs that were interesting <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, all right, Mark, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. On Thursday, January 19th, Persona 4 Golden and Persona 3 Portable are both released on the eShop on Switch. Now, Mark, both you and I uh, had strong stances for a very long time. Uh, Persona 5 is, and the Persona games are never coming to Switch. Uh -huh. It's never going to happen. Uh, Persona 5 did come to Switch. We both bought it. Uh, and we both bought well, it. we both bought it. <laughs> um, and now uh, uh, th th 4 and 3 are, are coming out. Um what is your relationship to these games as they are coming out now? Do you have any interest in them? Any interest in, in them in, like, the future? I don't know. So I feel like I picked up Persona 5. Uh, Royal was excited to start playing it. Um, didn't dislike it, but I think I had said before, like, I wasn't really having, like, fun. Like, I, I wasn't looking forward to getting into it. And as other stuff has come out, I just kind of, it just kind of, like, faded away. Like, I don't even know that I made a conscious decision. Yeah not to play it um and so given that that was my experience with persona 5 i know that like you know people really love these other two persona games but it makes me hesitant to like try to get into them yeah because uh i just don't i the series just may not be for me yeah i mean one of the things that like i uh keep hearing is that like persona 5 royal is like persona gameplay like maximized right or it's, it's it's perfected at that point um and that uh both four and three which are good games with um 
uh, great stories. You you could argue that their stories are better than five. I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on on any of them. But like the moment to moment gameplay experience of five and five royal specifically um, will put these other two to shame, which makes me like. That, like I, I have no draw to uh, to, uh-huh. to to playing the, these two games. Yeah, but uh, a good reminder to never say never because uh, we never thought these games were going to show up on That's Switch. That's true. So. That's true. Um, Mark, I went back and listened to some uh, like predictions episode we did recently because I wanted to sort of like uh, be different in our our, our most recent uh, twenty twenty three predictions episode. That that we took a scientific approach this time and we weren't going crazy, um, but. Uh, yeah, no, I, we definitely came out swinging hard against uh, Persona <laughs> Five ever ever coming out on Twitch. Do you think that uh, uh, since we're talking crazy predictions, yeah, that Persona Six or whatever's next will just like launch as multi-platform, or do you think that oh, you know like yeah, is because the fact that it showed up on Xbox and uh, Switch makes me think that these games are you know whatever money. Maybe it was money, seemingly money that Sony had paid to keep them exclusive is no longer the case. Right. So do you think Persona is just like a multi-platform series going forward? Uh, yeah, sure. That's what I think. <laughs> I don't know. Because uh, Shimagami Tensei Five was that a Switch exclusive? It was, but I don't think it is forever. Like, I think... Uh, sure, that that was... Be on, at least on PC. Right. I don't so know. Is it already on PC? I don't know. Uh, th- I think, like... Atlas, you can just th- someone just needs to throw money at Atlas. Yeah. Um. And so, uh, I think the sales of these, uh, like Persona games, like this wave of release of them, will probably determine like, uh, who is actually going to be like, hey, wait a minute, we need to secure that for our platform. Right. Yeah, that could definitely be true. And it could be nobody, which w- maybe would be the best case scenario for Atlas, and they can just put it out on everything. Right. Uh, and Shimigami Tensei Five has, as far as I can read, not been uh, announced for any other platforms. So, uh, if nothing else, it's a Switch exclusive a little bit longer. Uh, also coming out on uh, Thursday the 19th, Monorail Stories, which uh, just caught my eye here because, hey, I love a monorail. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I've never ridden the Disneyland monorail. I... Do you know this? <laughs> I didn't. You know, I did not know this, and I don't want to dissuade you from reading the writing the Disneyland monorail. But I think you should have low expectations. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just a monorail. I mean, I've I've written the Disney World monorail. Ah, okay. But I believe that takes you further. Oh, for sure. Because like, you know, it's just bigger space. Uh-huh. Uh Than at, at at land. But so, uh, monorail stories. Uh, is a uh looks. Kind of like a point-and-click sort of uh, LucasArts-style um, adventure game that takes place on a monorail. Um, the pixel art is very attractive um, and very, like, old-school, but just seems like a kind of chill adventure. Not like, you know, adventure is kind of in scare quotes there. Um, they're just, like, figuring out what's going on with people on the train and, like, helping them with their problems. And then on Friday, January 20th, uh, of course, Pocket Jar- Card Jockey, Right On, is released on Apple Arcade. Yep. Um, but Fire Emblem Engage is uh, also released. Which I'm very excited about. Um, I uh, have my um, 
Divine Edition pre-ordered uh, and coming to me from Target. I don't actually. I had a hard time like figuring out where I had pre-ordered this thing from. Uh, did thing where I like searched my emails and didn't see like a confirmation, and I was like, oh. Um, and then was like, okay, was it Best Buy? Went into my Best Buy order history, not there. Amazon, no, not Amazon. Where did I pre-order this thing? Turns out Target. Why doesn't Target have my email address? I don't know. Still coming to me though, and I <laughs> and I, I hope I get it. Uh, either on release day or like the Saturday, that would be okay too. Um, but yeah, I just hope it comes in a timely fashion. Also, I think the review embargo for the game uh, is over this morning. So it'll be interesting to see how it reviews. Uh, yeah, I ex- I mean, most Fire Emblem games end up reviewing pretty well because they give them to people who like Fire Emblem games. Because otherwise, hey, that's a winning strategy. Otherwise, it's torture, right? <laughs> like, if you're running a, a review site and you 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 want someone to review Fire Emblem, like, uh, don't give it to someone who doesn't like it. They'll hate their life for eighty hours nonstop. Um, all right, Mark. Uh, <laughs> those are the new releases. Let's close this out. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, last week we talked about the 10 longest-running Broadway Broadway shows. shows. you quizzed me on it, uh, and uh, now I'm going to quiz you on the 10 longest-running sitcoms. Okay. Now, I have a list of the 20 longest-running uh, sitcoms, uh, but we'll just have to make that work. Well, that'll be good. Well, oh, 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 but it's not in order? It is in order, oh, okay, yes. but that, well, then that's good, because maybe yeah. I'll venture a guess, and we'll be able to see, oh, it's not in the top 10, but it's, but it's like somewhere else in there. Yeah. Um, and I, I need you to know that these are all, it's just in number of years. Okay, not so, episodes or anything like not that. Not episodes, okay. and like counterintuitively, not even in seasons. Oh, okay. Okay? Okay. And they're all continuous runs. It's, uh-huh. There's no, um, you know, like... Uh, you know, so Family Guy is not on the list. No, Family Guy is on the list. So it's not continuous runs then. I guess you're right. I <laughs> guess you're right. I, I, I yes. Um, well, okay. So Family Guy, hold on, is uh, 23 years, 1999 to present. So yeah, they're counting it. They're counting that as. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Even like the years that it wasn't on the air. Well, I guess or reruns were. It just wasn't. It wasn't new, new on the air. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. What wasn't new? What I'm saying is there are no like reunion shows. Got being it. Taken into consideration. Here. Okay. Uh, the Simpsons. Yep, Simpsons is number one with 33 years, 1989 to present. Wow. Obviously, this list was written in uh, 2022. (laughs) What about um, MASH? Does that count as a sitcom? Yeah, yeah. So MASH is on here. Hold on. I saw it earlier. They're not numbered, so uh, here we go. Uh, MASH is number... No, MASH is not on this list. Oh, okay. All right. I've never seen an episode of MASH. It's okay. Okay, all right. So Oh wait, yes it is. Um <laughs> here's the thing is if you do a search on the page for the word mash, you're not going to find oh, it. Oh sure, yeah. Cuz it's M period A period S period H period mash. Uh ran for 11 years. Okay. Um 
Man. Sorry, I'm just going to give this one to you. Do you know that Will and Grace also ran for 11 years? What? Wait, so this is... So it does include the revival, It does include the revival. Okay. Okay, so ignore my instruction (laughs) before about the revival. So 98 to 2006, Uh and then 2017 to 2020. Wait, the revival ran for three years? The revival ran for three years. Wow. Okay, uh, Modern Family, is that on there? Modern Family, 11 years, uh, 2009 to 2020. Okay. Um... I'm surprised at how many animated series there are in the top 10. Oh, okay. Does Future- Futurama? Futurama, they don't have in here, but like it started in 1999, right? And they're about to put out new episodes. Right. That'd be 22 years right there. But 23 years. So maybe they are counting some of the breaks? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta take up your complaints with screen rant, okay? <laughs> okay. Uh, can you give me a hint? I, I don't think I can. Sure. So, uh, 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 so you said you said Family Guy, and you said The Simpsons. There's another like big animated oh, one. That's South been Park. Around. South Park. Twenty five years since 1997. I don't think. And again, I'm I'm I'm. You're not calling it a sitcom. I'm, I, I don't know that it would be. I don't know that I count as a sitcom. It's a tough call. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't know that I would either. Um, here's a, a, another one, I believe number five. Curb Your Enthusiasm. They're saying 22 years because it started in 2000. Yeah, I guess. Oh, Big Bang Theory. That's got to be on there, yeah, right? Yeah, Big Bang Theory is 13 seasons. Okay. Yep. Or thir- um, 13 years at any rate. Two and a Half Men? Two and a Half Men is on this list as well. Uh, two and a Half Men, 12 years. Uh, How I Met Your Mother. Three. No, I don't think so. Oh, not that long. I think How I Met Your Mother, uh, How I, I think that's eight seasons maybe. Not on the list. I guess Curb Your Enthusiasm qualifies on a technicality. I guess I just, I just don't think of it as a sitcom. Yeah, or as running for 22 years. I mean, it's still, uh, there are like 11 seasons of it, which like is, is impressive and long running in its own right. Uh-huh. But it's not, it's not quite 22. So what is number two? Number two is, uh, is Family Guy. Oh, oh, so it's Simpsons Family Guy? Oh, no, Guy? no, no, sorry. S- Simpsons South Park Family Guy. Oh, okay. wow, okay. Oh, sorry. This, uh, the, there are so many graphics on this that, like, <laughs> Simpson South Park Family Guy is correct. Um, and then uh, uh, four is Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, five is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia with uh, 17 seasons. Wow. Uh, but I guess we'll never know the rest of the, of the list, Mark. Anything surprise you there? <laughs> it's surprising to me how many modern shows are on there. Yeah. Well, because, like, when you go back... The longest running, like, kind of classic show is The Love Boat, 13 years. Huh. Um, and then, like, what else in here is, like, classic? Uh, Murphy Brown. They have it uh, as uh, 11 years. Oh, because uh, of the revival. 88 to 98, and then one year uh, for, the, for the revival. Um, Modern Family, Will and Grace, MASH at 11 years, Frasier at uh, also 11 years, Cheers at 11 years. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, there's like there's like this uh, just about ten year, ten or eleven year barrier that classic shows couldn't break, and then they started animating them, and then uh, you know it, 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 the the whole game changed. Um, all right, Mark, <clears throat> we were accompanied today by pianist Kyle Shaw. Let's get into the news. As part of some financial guidance update issued to investors last week, Ubisoft cited the underperformance of Mario Plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope and Just Dance 2023 as contributing factors in their projection 
that their full year earnings will drop 10% versus the growth of 10% they had previously forecasted. Uh, so uh, Ubisoft not doing particularly well here um, and c- citing specifically the underperformance of these two games. Right. Which like we hadn't, first of all, we there were no like sales numbers or anything attached to it. So we don't know really how they performed. Right. Um, we just know that it underperformed their expectations. Right. Well, and sort of specifically uh, with uh, Just Dance on the uh, the eShop charts for January 14th, Just Dance was the best-selling game on Switch. So, like, best-selling game on Switch for, you know, obviously for January when other new games aren't coming out. So, like, you know, whatever. Um, uh, best-selling beating out Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and Minecraft uh, was not enough. Right, yeah. But also, notably, this year, they did not release Just Dance on Wii. Yeah. And so, maybe... Also, uh, in the little bit that I was reading, that uh, Just Dance 2023, they've turned it into, like, more of a service, and I think people are not super excited about that, because before, you know, they definitely had, like, the service side of it, but then you also just had you know, 20 or so songs that yeah. you could access immediately without having to sign up for the service. And I think a lot of that has just become more like uh, uh, gated by paywalls and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. and that's that's a bad look for that kind of... I mean, like, I suppose there is like a universe where like the Just Dance is a platform and you just download the songs that you want to dance to. Um, but I think it is such a like plug it in and like let anyone play it and like not have to think about like anything really just like just play it just dance just hear the songs but going back to mario plus rabbit so i mean this is entirely anecdotal but you and i you know uh looking forward to the game like the first one a lot but we have not bought it we you know they whether i don't know how many people this is true for but the first mario plus rabbits game dropped in price and dropped hard pretty quickly and yeah that definitely and is on was on sale like all the time and so that definitely trained me to wait like i i know it has been on sale like half off like physically but i'm really i'm waiting for that 20 dollar barrier yeah and once when, it's 20 once bucks we cross there, it then i'm picking it up yeah well, it's i mean it's it's interesting because it's also like um there was a novelty to mario plus rabbits when it first came out where um you know, I mean, there was the whole sort of, like, meta story of, like, it leaked, and people were like, is this real? What a bad idea. Then we actually saw it, and we were like, okay, this kind of rules. And then the game came out, and it was good. Um, so, like, that that's a fun, interesting story that, like, just doesn't... The, the story doesn't deliver the same way the second time, where you're like, and then they did it again. Um, uh, so, like, there's that component of it. But there's also, like, when uh, Kingdom Battle came out, there were not a ton of strategy RPGs on the Switch. Um, you know, I, I remember at, at, at that time being excited for Tiny Metal and Wargroove and, like, all these other games that were coming out that were going to, like, uh, Into the Breach, all these games that were going to, like, start to fill the uh, Advanced Wars slash Fire Emblem, like, niche that had not yet been filled on Switch. Then a Fire Emblem game came out. Then Advance Wars didn't come out. Um, and now we're, you know, on the eve of another Fire Emblem game coming out. And it's just like, how much appetite is there within the Nintendo Switch audience for um, strategy games like that? Uh, Triangle Strategy, also on that list, right? Um, I just feel like the need has already 
the the niche has been filled, the need has been met, uh, and so that's for me why I don't think the audience was there for it. Yeah, it's really it's in it. It will be interesting eventually when we do get some sort of sales numbers. Like I'm guessing at whenever they have their next like quarter results and there's like a Q and A that that sort of thing will come up. Um, but my understanding is that you know like it was a much larger team working on the second game like the scope oh. expanded and all that stuff and so um i just wonder if i in hindsight uh you know yeah that they thought Mario they were going to Ra- grow the audience exactly. with the second one yeah. yeah exactly uh just also um they as part of this guidance they revealed they were canceling three unannounced games and uh, not really Nintendo-related, but they're delaying Skull and Bones yet again. Uh, Skull and Bones, I will bring up, though, uh, just as something. This is a game that I played in one form or another at E3 2018. And I got a t-shirt, a Skull and Bones t-shirt um, that's really cool and that I like to wear. It's black. It's got, like, a skull on it and, like, some other, like, pirate ephemera, uh, including a, like, skeleton hand giving the middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> which I think is really rad. Um, but like it's printed in like this uh, kind of like white ink that's, I don't know, it feels like it's old. Um, and then there's just like a skull and bones logo on the side of the shirt. And I always was like, yes, this is great. That game's never going to come out. And I'm just going to have this like obscure shirt from a game that doesn't exist. Um, and then when they're like, well, we are going to put the game out. I was like, nah, rats. Well, I still <laughs> like the shirt. And now that it's being delayed again, uh, it just makes me wonder if the game will ever see the light of day. Yeah, apparently, I, I don't know the details, but apparently what I was reading is that they're like contractually obligated to release it. Maybe there's like tax incentives from some company. Yeah, there's, that there's something like, I mean, yeah. otherwise it would have been uh, canned. canned like the rest of these games. I do think like Ubisoft is such a weird company, right? Where it's like, they've got a Star Wars game coming out. They've got an Avatar game coming out. Like, th- th- those things are huge. Like, I... Maybe these games underperformed and they really thought that they were going to be like blockbusters. Um, but there are like other games in their pipeline that are also that are also potential blockbusters. Like, I don't know. I guess uh, maybe maybe I'm uh, reading too much of like the narrative of like, oh, Ubisoft has to like get their stuff together. It's like, well, no, this is just like the course of business. They thought these games were going to be more successful. They're revising their uh, projections down 10%. And canceling a couple of games to focus on the stuff that's actually going to make them money. Well, the thing that's so interesting about Ubisoft to me is like it's huge. It has so many yeah. employees compared to other video games. Even compared to like EA, it has so many more employees. And um, they ab- apparently this is all like allegedly that they were trying to get like acquired and weren't having any luck. So well, and they like staved off a hostile takeover a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, a <laughs> there's there's obviously a lot of businessy stuff going on there that we don't totally understand, uh, and I guess that we're not totally invested in either, right? Like, um, in terms of like mindshare, like I I think you and I don't really gravitate towards the Ubisoft style of game anyway. Um, like you know, outside of uh kingdom battle and uh south park the fractured butthole like i've not really yeah i'm trying to think the last like ubisoft game i picked up yeah i mean the last one i picked up was south park oh i'm pretty sure yeah that was a long time ago so yeah i don't know uh the npd group has released their list of the top 20 best-selling games of 2022 in the united states or i guess the the top 10 
best-selling games of 2022. And uh, there are two Pokemon games on there. So number six <laughs> is Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Uh-huh. And uh, number eight is Pokemon Legends Arceus. And neither of those include digital sales, which some others on the list do. Uh, so amazing. Also, uh, if is there an incentive for uh, Game Freak or Nintendo to demand uh, better performance on these games? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, I think what has been interesting about the Scarlet and Violet uh, discussion is that people have been, from day one, have like, wow, like, sometimes this game really has performance issues, and yet this game is incredibly fun. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I feel like it's rare to see both. Yeah. Like, word of mouth doesn't seem that negative on it. It's like, yeah, this has performance issues, and Nintendo Game Freak acknowledged it, you know? Yes. Yeah. But, uh, just... but yeah, that, that sort of seems like a, yeah, 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 of course it runs badly, but it's fun, um, which is, is very interesting. The, the top of the list here, I don't think there are really any surprises here. Um, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, uh, the best-selling. Um, I guess, like, kind of interesting that Elden Ring has sell, sold uh, as, uh, as well as it has to be number two on the list. Yeah, above Madden. And above God of well, God of War also came out at the end of the year and uh, is exclusive to the PlayStation. Um, but God of War Ragnarok is at number four. Also, just uh, two other releases that are on Switch but are multi-platform. Uh, number five is Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga, and number ten is MLB The Show Twenty Two. I guess it, it is worth pausing on Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga for just a second because the game was uh, like in sort of troubled development for a little while. Um, remember, we laughed about it being like delayed after having seen it at E3 2019. Um, uh, and so, yeah, and just like knowing that games coming out of Warner Brothers Interactive have also had like a little bit of a hard time uh, finding like their share of the market uh, in the last couple of years. Um, Lego uh, Star Wars uh, was did not have a hard time. Yeah, notable that. success. Mm-hmm. Speaking of sales, the president of Nintendo France has continued his recent tradition of sharing some details on how Nintendo has performed in the country over the past year. In 2022, 987,000 Switch units were sold in France, making up 50% of the share of consoles sold in the country in 2022. Fewer than 2 million consoles sold in France in 2022. Uh, That puts the Switch total in France at 7.09 million units since launch. So that's above the record held by the Wii, which was 6.3 million, and above the PlayStation 4, which was 6 million. But the Nintendo DS just remains untouchable. It's like 10.6 million units in France. Well, and like the worldwide numbers for uh, it's in the worldwide numbers for DS are like uh, 165 million or something like something that. Something like that. It's yeah. so high. Yeah. And uh, also notable, the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe attach rate is above 50% in France. So it's like more than three and a half million copies sold uh do you think they like that paris track in the uh the dlc pack? i think they do you think, I think they, they you do think they like it i think they like it a lot um still want to i still want uh, g- give me a hollywood sign one i want to drive around <laughs> on the hollywood sign. oh yeah that'd be so fun like zero g up on <laughs> on the h that'd be great hal laboratories will be presenting at the game developers conference in san francisco this march shinya kumazaki and tatsuya kamiyama from hal will be hosting a panel called The Many Dimensions of Kirby, focusing on Kirby and the Forgotten Land one year after the game's release, plus Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe, which will be have been out just a few weeks. Uh, if I can just uh, punch up the name of their panel, either Kirby's Many Dimensions or Kirby and the Many Dimensions. Mm, very good, yes. 
Um, you got to put Kirby first. <laughs> also crazy that uh, Forgotten Land has been out for a year now. Yeah. I, that, that means it's been, uh, well, it will be a year yeah, in, in March. March. Um, that means that w- it will have been a year since our Kirby month. Does not feel that long ago at all. It feels so much longer ago than that to me. The official description of the uh, panel concludes, quote, This session is for any game developers interested in the history and legacy of one of the cutest and most adaptable characters in video game history, as well as where Kirby and their series are headed in the future. Wow. Do we think Kirby's the most adaptable uh, character in video games? I, yes, I do. Do you, here's, here's a, a challenge to Kirby developers in the future. Make a game where Kirby's gross. <laughs> Make a game where he's not adorable. See if it can be done. That's right. Kirby and the Garbage Pail Kids. I wa- <laughs> or like a Seaman a like game where you are taking care of a Kirby in a tank. Oh, I But like- it's got like, you know, Leonard Nimoy's face. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Kirby's in a tank because you're like studying it. You can like, <laughs> elect- you can like shock it with an electric rod right when he's bad i'll uh, <laughs> interesting uh from this uh uh from this official description kirby's um uh pronouns are there they oh yeah all right non-gendered uh, we will we will ad- uh, adopt that speaking of kirby and hal last week nintendo released a trailer that showed off samurai kirby 100 part of the uh sub game collection included in kirby's return to dreamland deluxe and just as the name implies it's playing the Kirby Samurai game. Uh, so, like, it's, like, quick draw, basically. It's, like... Yeah, so it's just, like, it's Kirby, and you wait until it says draw, and then you push the button as, as fast after it says draw as you can. And you're playing that against 99 other people. I love that. I love... I think it's interesting that this, like, 99 thing yeah. is continuing to happen. We, you know, we have uh, Tetris 99, we have Pac-Man 99, mm-hmm. and now we have... This, Mario uh, 35. With Mario 35. Had it. We had it. It's it, gone. And then Kirby Samurai 99. Um, but it's within this like yes. Kirby game. Do you think that they're in the future? Because you know how in the past they've broken out sub games, you know, on the 3DS and sure. made it its own like thing that we could see this like Kirby Samurai become a game that's just available no. on like Nintendo Switch Online. <laughs> no, because it's a, a game of Kirby one uh, Kirby Samurai 100 will last for two seconds. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> right. No, no, no. You're right. That's a good point. Um, the, the little bit of video that they showed off for this is hilarious uh, because, you know, you're only seeing it like through the perspective of, of one person, uh, one player, and it's just like a line of Kirby's <laughs> and it says, draw! And then, like, obviously they must push the button and you see, you see this one Kirby cut through, like, 80 other Kirby's and then get stuck at the one Kirby that stopped them. That's very funny. Uh, and, then, and then you lose. So, like, I, I know that, like, it, it, you, you would certainly be playing against a lot of, like, uh, kids and people who are, like, slow on, on, on the react. But, like, how do you ever win? <laughs> yeah, no. How do you ever win? And, no, I don't think – I think very quickly you will not be playing against kids and people who are slow on the react. I think the people who right. stay around right. are going to be incredibly hardcore. But you're right. Like, each match will last two seconds. You'll die Every time, a bunch of times. Yes. And then you'll never log in ever again. Right. Because, like, there's never a point where you're going to be like, oh, I'm getting <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm getting better, better at this. No. No. You never will. <laughs> also, someone will just program an AI to win every time. <laughs> right. Right? 
the programmer robbed the robot to pick up a spinning disc. That's right. And I'm drop glad it. I understand right? how yeah. it works now. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, my note here is just ridiculous. <laughs> this is absurd. Also, we learned that Return to Dreamland Deluxe includes new copy abilities not in the original game or ever in the series, I don't think. Um, Mecha was shown off at the Nintendo Direct that revealed the game, but we also are getting Sand and Festival as new copy abilities. I gotta say, uh, Festival, uh, adorable, reminds me of the, uh, like, between Act 1 and Act 2 chapter of Silvando. Yes, I was thinking the same thing, yeah. 11S Echoes of Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. He's just got a lot of feathers and is wearing, like, a hat with a star Uh on it. It's very, like, Carnival. Yes. What do you think that power does for him? (laughs) I don't... You know what? I I can't even begin to, I can't even maybe it, he dances. Uh, I'm gonna guess he dances. <laughs> the Kirby's dance. And uh the other like the um Waddle D's or all the bad guys are like mesmerized. Maybe yeah. that's what puts them in like a daze. I hope it is just like uh uh Dragon Quest Eleven S because of an elusive age definitive edition for the Nintendo Switch, where Kirby starts marching in this festival regalia and the other like enemies start marching behind him. Oh, that'd also be fun. Just excited to entertain uh-huh. you know, the, the crumbled countryside. Be very good. And sand? I uh, so sand you transform into like different things. So like a sand mm. castle or another sand thing. Another thing made. So I think out it's of kinda sand. like rock. It's but kinda, just with sand. It's kind of like you're turned into the Sandman from Spider-Man. Ah, uh, uh-huh. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it is, yes. I hope he gets to wear that green striped shirt. What would be the point if he doesn't? I mean, we're looking at a picture of him and he doesn't. Well, I mean, Kirby never wears a shirt. <laughs> so that's not like... they. Sorry. they never. Did I, did I use pronouns for Kirby there? No, you just said Kirby never wears a shirt. I said Kirby never wears a shirt. Yeah. Finally, Splatoon 3 is being upgraded to version 2.1.0. The patch, which uh, goes live today, mainly adjusts the damage and output of main weapons and special weapons to better balance the game, but there is also a number of bug fixes. Yeah, and so if you are very concerned about what these uh, balance changes are, you can just look up a a, a complete list. It's exhaustive. Uh, They, uh, like, have published everything that they're doing. So, like, if you need to know that the size of the terrain inked by the Splattershot Nova was increased by about 19%, you can find that information. Uh, the patch comes with an announcement of another patch due out in March. It also includes weapon rebalancing and new features, whatever uh, that means in detail. I mean, probably like a new game mode. And <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah, probably probably something similar in scope to um, what we're seeing there. Um, Mark, did you get a chance to look at any of the like specific patch notes for this? No, no, I didn't um, at all. It. Uh, it's definitely something that made me go like, oh yeah, I don't know, I'm I'm not plugged into this game at oh, all. Oh, that's how I feel with like when they were the Smash Brothers Ultimate notes, and it was yeah. very similar sort of thing, you know, where like very detailed balance changes that matter a lot. I'm sure if you are playing this competitively or just like really into the game, yeah. But for a casual player like me, um, d- like doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Have you ever had a time where there's like uh, uh patch notes that come out and you're like. Well, I Combing check- through it, Destiny. Yeah. When I was playing a With ton Destiny, of Destiny, that was it for you. Because that game, you know, like they were uh, making changes like all the time, and uh, um, so yes, I Destiny. I was I was pouring over those patch notes. Uh, for me, I think it was Marvel versus Capcom three. 
Um, they like one of the f- first patches. They brought Sentinel's health way down, like they, it had been way too high, and so they just like rebalanced it. Uh, and I remember being like upset enough about, it, or I don't know, upset, but just like it affected me enough that I like posted about it on Facebook. <laughs> Isn't that weird? I love that. <laughs> I was just like, they nerfed Sentinel on Facebook. And like, you know, then my uh, parents' friends were like, huh? <laughs> All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. Okay, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MK Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Discord, which is where you should really be if you want to have conversations with us and with a bunch of other people who are having fun conversations about Nintendo all the time. Uh, email us uh, to, for an invitation or hit us up on Twitter. We will happily let you in. Anthony DeLuca made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now for my co-host mark mitchell this is patrick eller saying thank you for listening